it doesn't matter who you are or what you struggle with. We all deserve the freedom to breathe. We all deserve the freedom to be able to say, I missed it all. I know that I am seen and I'm heard right here in this moment as I am. Hey, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. And here I am. It's the first episode of the new year that I've actually recorded, and I'm so pumped. Here we are almost two years later, and we're still kicking, you know, 2021, 2020, very interesting years. But here we are, 2022, with some amazing new content. So thank you guys for sticking around with us. And I am super thrilled and pumped about today's episode because we get to speak with a world changer. She's a poet, a singer, songwriter, artist, activist, and simply an amazing all-around individual. And I believe this conversation is going to be one of those that we all walk away from with a sense of a refreshed perspective and hopefully a sense of peace. Without further ado, here is Morgan Harper Nichols. Morgan, Mike, we we made it. <laughs> it's happening. This is are. happening. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. I'm so I'm so grateful to to be here. I mean, it's it just never it never ceases to amaze me just how through space and time we all get connected and and I'm just so blessed to to just even be able to connect with someone who I met a long time ago, like way before I was doing any of the stuff I'm doing today. (laughs) It's insane because when we first met, it was before Storyteller, the record came out. Yeah. Which, by the way, we're going to touch on that so much in this episode, just because it's such a good record. Like, thank you. If you're listening to this, we're going to talk about her new book, but I'm just going (laughs) to tell you. The Storyteller record is phenomenal. I'd punch the table right now, but it's loud and (laughs) does stupid things with a microphone. But we met in like 2014, 2015, and obviously I had no beard. And (laughs) one of the first words that we had together was you telling me that Jamie Grace, your sister, didn't finish (laughs) high school. And I'm sitting there admiring her. And so you got me yelled at. (laughs) <laughs> the first time I met you guys. And that's just how we set it off. So I'm excited yeah, to finally be here. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because I, I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I would have said because Jamie is always the one who makes up these kind of jokes and pranks way faster than me. So that sounds like one of the rare moments I beat her to it. So she, yeah, she'll say that all the time, like just make up random stuff. So yeah, you just happen to be that our interaction just, just happened to be one of those few moments I was able to kind of like beat her to making a funny joke, even though it was completely made up and she did graduate from high school, but yeah. She did. Funny. She did. <laughs> and you probably don't know this, but I've wanted to do this interview for so long. Like oh, wow. Prior to all this, you had your art, like before it became this like globally known thing, you were selling it in Coffee Camper in Monroe, Georgia at Crystal Padilla's <laughs> Coffee Shop. Shout out to her. I love her so yes. much. I still go to Coffee Camper every time I'm in town. Yes. And I remember you had your booth set up in the revolutionary side and it was always so refreshing to go in there and just be able to see your art. And then the one day I was like, because when you had it, like I was still a broke, like high schooler and such. Right. <laughs> but when I finally started making some money, I was like, Ooh, I'm gonna go in there and get me something. And it was gone. And then oh, next thing no. I know, next thing I know I'm working at AT&T and every single like green straw girl that comes in has your artwork as their background. Oh my And I'm like, goodness. <laughs> what the You're heck like, happened? What did I miss? You know, the fact that 
that you brought that up. That just means so much. I that was such a huge moment when um, I was asked to have my art there, and yeah, that was my very first time doing anything like that. And I and I wasn't able to keep it up because I barely said yes to that opportunity, and it, because I didn't think that anybody would buy what I was creating, and it, it was just such a. I think some people get surprised when they find out like I've had some real insecurities around putting my artwork out there and, and just, and it's one thing to put your artwork out there and someone likes it on social media or your friend says, Oh, I like that. But it's another whole thing to have to worry about like, Oh, someone wants to buy this. Are you sure? Like they want to own this, like, and put it in their house, like their hard earned money. Like they want to invest it in what I make. And that's been a huge, till this day, it's, it has never become just super easy. So that just means a lot that like you got to experience that because I ended up being so surprised because we, I ended up having my booth there. And I remember getting the call that like my artwork was really selling and they needed more inventory and I didn't have more. <laughs> so that was actually why I ended up not being able to do it as long as I even wanted to, because I was not prepared for people to actually buy what I was making. So it, it just means so much that, that you got to, that you got to see that. <laughs> it's, it's almost a perfect segue into talking about the piece that you're bringing with your new book, which let's, let's, take it back a few steps here. We just talked about you being so insecure about your artwork being at a local store. Mm-hmm. Now it's global and you're working with like the major publishing houses and have your art showcasing all over the globe, everywhere from the Kelly Clarkson show to Dagum social circle, Georgia, like let's go. <laughs> that was obviously not like an overnight thing. And from the moment I heard your voice and even though like you got well known from poetry and creating your art, like your voice overall, like, and you as a person, as an activist is just so refreshing to me, mm. like on a serious note, like every single time I see your social media posts or see a video that you post and even you and Patrick doing your business, like God's carrying that piece through you and showing it and replicating it. And it's phenomenal. And all of that to say, Peace is a practice, an invitation to breathe deep and find a new rhythm for life is going to be out when this record like comes out. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for even just, you know, kind of reflecting my own story back to me and, and, and some of the things that, that I feel like God has just been doing in my life, even just in ways that I couldn't see in real time. And I think that that's why, Honestly, like the theme of peace has become such a, a big theme in, in what I create and what I share because it's, it's so interesting to me. It's like so much of my life has, when I look back on it, I'm like, this it was beyond my understanding. I'm like, I didn't understand why I, even sometimes I would think I would know. I would think I know why I was living in a certain city or why I was going through a particular thing. But when I look back, I was like, I had no idea what, 
was going on in real time. But I was like, even though in the moment, what was happening was beyond my understanding. At the same time, there was peace beyond my understanding there as well. I was learning how to breathe through every moment. I was learning how to be present to the hard stuff, the awkward stuff, the the stuff that I'm like, why do I have to do this? You know, why, why is this not coming together faster? So yeah, I, I enjoy writing, writing about it because I, I just feel like even just everything that everyone's been going through over the past few years, it's like, I, I hope that we all feel can sense this invitation to be in the present moment and, and find ways to make this moment meaningful. And um, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And can we kind of go over like, what was the beginning stages for getting this book together? Like a lot of people are like ding light bulb, but for every author, every speaker, every artist, like it all your art incorporates in different ways. So how were you able to translate these words into art and then piece it into a book like this? Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, it came from a place of feeling like, and it's something I know I'm not alone in feeling, but feeling a little burnt out, <laughs> feeling a little bit like, do I have to keep doing this again? You know, it's kind of like those those first few months of the lockdown a few years ago. I felt like there were a lot of people, myself included, like, okay, let's frame this positively. Let's figure out, you know, how we're going to get through this. And then, you know, once you get to month four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's like, okay, I'm a little burnt out on <laughs> on the on trying to find positive ways to to think about this. And as somebody who is an artist and a creative, you know, it's like you're kind of expected to 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 show up and a lot of times say something inspiring and say something encouraging. But it's like, what do you do when you feel like your cup is getting empty and you're not mm-hmm. full in the way that you want to be? You know, even for me, somebody who is and who considers myself to be an introvert, like there got to a certain point where not being around people the way that I used to or having all of my events canceled, like that still gets to me too. And it was just like even further getting into like even the summer of 2020, everything that started happening just around the 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 racial unrest that was taking place. Like that's exhausting. Like even as somebody who felt like I maybe had something to say. It's a lot. It's a lot to just have to keep taking all this in every day. So a lot of it came from me just asking questions in my own life of like, what does it look like to get through this? What does it look like to keep pacing myself through every day? And that's where I feel like it's no coincidence that I've been given I consider it a gift as memory, the ability to look back through my own life and all these other moments where I've struggled um, to make it through or I've been trying, getting overwhelmed by the future. How did I make it through? What were the themes that kept showing up? And one of the biggest themes was breathing. I've been learning how to breathe through every moment. So that gave me a lot of courage and permission and motivation to write the book. Because it was like, look, I can't tell you what tomorrow looks like. I don't know what's coming. But I do know that in a million different little ways, we have been equipped for this journey. And I want to look back in my own life and help others do the same and see all those moments that have been leading us to be able to 
make it through these new unknowns and what we can do in the present moment to stay on that path. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it came to life. Yeah. And when I started reading about the book and even diving into some of the bits and pieces of the book, I was like, what better time to put this out? Like as someone who struggles with panic attacks, someone who has had like the anxious moments, like repetitively, this is the kind of content that people can really dive into and actually see like things that they can apply to their own lives. So when it comes for me, like diving into peace, a lot of times it's reading something calming or using the calm app or scrolling through your Instagram feed. Like there's a bunch of different resources out there to really help people in these struggling times. But what makes yours so unique? Like, obviously you have a unique perspective on anxiousness and pursuing peace through hard times, but even going through your own diagnosis recently, like Mm -hmm. how has art and poetry and peace, how has God used it to help you personally and how can other people apply that to their life? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like my answer to this will probably kind of split a group of people into half. Like I feel like half half of the people are going to be like, yeah, absolutely, I get it. But the other half are going to be like, oh, here we go. Not interested. And that is honestly, I truly, truly believe that creativity has been a huge way that I've been able to make it through and how God has used art to speak to me and help me make it through the moments, each moment, the complicated moments, the ordinary moments, the boring moments, all those moments. Because what making art teaches you to do, and I'm not just talking about painting, I'm talking about writing songs, I'm talking about writing books, it forces you to slow down. It's like if you have to paint a picture for someone, a moment that's happening and tell a story, you got to pay attention to the details. What was the weather like that day? How were you feeling? What were you wearing? Does that impact how you were feeling? Because you felt like you were in these restraining tight clothes. Is the the fact that you were wearing a face mask was, were you just like, ah, I need to take a deep breath or were you happy about it that day because you didn't want people to see that you were upset beneath the mask? There are all these little details that happen within our daily lives that are not coincidence. And it's so easy to get in the bigger picture of like, okay, what are we doing? What's the big takeaway step by step? How are we going to make it through this present moment? And really, every day, I believe that God is inviting us to slow down and to pay attention to all those little things. So making art, writing poetry, or even writing in your journal, anything that 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 causes you to to kind of like exhale all that you've been taking in, it's a way into being present to that moment. And it's a way into being more grateful for ordinary life. And I truly believe that that has been a huge area in my life that I can see very clearly how God has used to sustain me. I was diagnosed with autism last year. And in many ways, it was not a surprise at all. I have been struggling with a lot of various things in my life in terms of communication and socializing and all these different things. And it was through my diagnosis that I was able to see that I had been, I had been struggling, but at the same time, the other side of my struggle, I was able to find strength. And I'll give you an example. So 
within my autism diagnosis, I have also a sensory processing disorder. And that means loud sounds, bright lights, they wear me out and they wear me out fast. Um, and at one point in my life, I was a touring musician. And if you know anything about a show, there's a lot of loud sounds <laughs> and bright lights. And I would feel so exhausted after a show and I wouldn't know why. I was like, oh, it's because I didn't get enough sleep or it's because of something I ate. Who knows? I had all these reasons or because of the time zones. Like I was just disproportionately exhausted all the time. Like no one would have known it by seeing me, but I was. And while that was a struggle, at the same time, that sensitivity that I have to sound, it's what helps me be able to sing the way that I do. It's what helps me be able to record inspirational videos the way that I do, because I'm so sensitive to how even my own voice leaves my body and how it sounds and how it reverberates in my own body and in the room I'm in. I'm so sensitive to it. And the same with light. My sensitivity to light is what helps me see colors within colors. <laughs> and it helps me paint different hues that I might not even be able to see have had I not been so sensitive to color. So it's just been really fascinating just to see how how this one area of my life, creativity, has ended up teaching me so much about the the wholeness of my own experiences and not just framing everything as, oh, well, here's this this thing that I'm ashamed of or it's hard about my life. It's like, well, there's also this other aspect of it. And I want to continue to welcome the grace that allows me to hold room for all of it. So yeah, those are just some of the things that I've been learning. And, and in that way, I've just been really encouraging people to kind of find ways to be more creative in their daily life. Like even if it's just being more observant, because I really do think that there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot there to uncover and learn from. Do you think, when, or if you'll get vulnerable with me, you don't have to, but yeah. I'll open it up for you if you want. When you got this diagnosis at, like, it's it's a little bit different, obviously, when you get it as mm -hmm. a child. You yeah. get a diagnosis like this as an adult. Did you take it in a positive, like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It gives me a lot of clarity. Or was it like, God, why is it always me? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good question. Yeah, I, I feel like for me... I was diagnosed at 31, and for me, it actually was a very positive, empowering moment. It felt like, it felt like all these years where I was asking those questions of why me? Why do I struggle so much making friends? Why am I always so exhausted when I'm at events? Why do I struggle with just simple tasks that other people seem to be able to do? Like just answer 30 emails back to back and just go on throughout their day. It takes me three times the time it takes someone else to do it just because I have to really mindfully listen and read through everything. So I had all these little moments in my life where I had been asking, why me? Why this? Why is this so difficult? Why is this simple thing so hard for me? And honestly, I can, I mean, just to get really vulnerable, I would say that a lot of my, my kind of like those breakdown moments in my life where I'm just like, 
I felt like a total failure. A lot of it came from like not feeling like I couldn't do the things that seem simple for other people. That to me, honestly, is some of the, that some of my lowest lows have been from that place. Like I remember being in high school and I mean, the lowest low I ever felt as a teenager was when I had t- I was taking a tap dancing class and I was just terrible at it. And that was the low, like, because it was just like, it's, it was so simple. Like this routine was so simple for everyone else in the room. And I felt so alone in not being able to do it, that it just like, it became, it was just like the last straw. It was just like, wow, I really am no one. If I can't learn a freaking three-step tap dance routine for beginners, um, not to mention also, I was like 14 and everyone else in the class was like in their 30s or 40s. So that didn't help either because uh, <laughs> it was like, well, I mean, it was like the beginner class for adults. <laughs> if like, it makes you feel any better at all, I cannot picture you tap dancing at all. <laughs> I just can't see it. Yeah, it's I not can't. a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I retired the tap shoes long ago and I never looked back. <laughs> but I, I did, yeah, like, it was, Hearing it, hearing the taps and seeing you, I, I yeah. just can't see it. <laughs> well, thank so you. I it. appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, back then it was just like, I was Big just deal. trying so hard. Cause I mean, you know how it is when, especially the younger you are, it's like, you want to have like your thing, you know, especially if you have peers who are like good at sports or good at music. Oh, that was not and, me. I totally yeah. <laughs> re- I relate with that. My dad will be outside throwing the football with all my brothers and they'd be yeah. running at it. I'd be running away from it. Like, don't be throwing stuff at me like this. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me. I was never the sports guy. So I relate. Yeah. And then I feel like kids today have it even harder. And I mean, you're mm-hmm. a little bit younger than me, so you probably can relate to this yeah. too with, with social media. I mean, now kids have to deal with like their classmates like going viral and it's like, well, where what's my thing or or just seeing your classmates get into prestigious universities and then maybe you didn't and it's just that stuff wears down on you so it's like mm-hmm. you you recognize okay I can't do all the stuff that everyone else does and then you go off and try to do some simple thing and you can't do that either yeah a lot of my moments have have been that so you know, when I consider all those moments like that in my life, and then I consider that when I got to my diagnosis, it felt like, wow, finally, all of those moments where I felt like I could not keep up. Now I know that there was a reason, there was a, hu- a huge part of that was a reason um, that yeah, I just, I was trying to do a whole bunch of stuff that just wasn't for me. Um, you know, I was created one particular way as an autistic person and I, for one, am proud of it. I'm happy about it. I'm, I, I, I can celebrate who I am even amidst the struggles. And, and that's not at all me being like toxic positivity, like, oh my gosh, my life is just so great now that I know I'm autistic. It's like, no, there's some real issues. I mean, even for autistic adults, a lot of autistic adults like struggle with finding jobs or struggle with getting in relationships. And those things are real. And at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't matter who you are or what you struggle with. We all deserve the freedom to breathe. We all deserve the freedom to be able to say, 
amidst it all, I know that I am seen and I'm heard right here in this moment as I am. So that's, that's, I'm grateful that that's how I felt in that moment. I felt seen. I felt heard. I felt supported. And I think that those are just like, I, I'm like, I want everyone in the world to have that moment, you know, whether they're autistic or, or whatever it is that they're going through. I'm like, everybody deserves to have that moment where they're like, yeah, through it all, everything I went through, I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel supported, I feel loved, I feel understood. Those are huge. So that's how, that's how I felt in that moment. You've said grateful so many times and it just, it puts a song in my mind. Like, <laughs> yes. Grateful. Like uh, girl, I wish I had it like on this board here, like your whole album just like, <laughs> um, like all this vulnerability and all this talk about peace. It's like one of the things that really hit home for me with reading through the book was when you explain peace as a cycle, mm-hmm. like, you could break the cycle, but if you get your rhythm down, you know, you can mm-hmm. try to find that peace. So for like me, struggling with panic attacks, panic disorder, I have to have those like steps like, okay, you're not dying, breathe. Mm-hmm. And people are like, they're looking for a one-stop shop. Like they'll mm-hmm. Google how to cure a panic attack or whatever. There's it. There's not a blueprint for that. Mm-hmm. But there are things that you could try to implement. So in your perspective and what you write about in the book, how can we turn like peace into a cycle? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the key components to to practicing breeze and looking for that freedom to breathe in the present moment is just something we have to practice. Like it's not something that we just figure out one day or will we read a book? So what I hope to do is to, is to give people a practice, like not so much like here's your three steps that will, that will apply to every single scenario in your life. No, I wanted to give people something that they can practice. And what I found to be so fascinating is that when it comes to our breathing, even though we breathe every day, all day, when it comes to breathing appropriately or taking deep breaths, that's something we have to practice. So I started to do some research on respiratory cycles. And as I was looking up different images and things, you know, I'm no doctor, but as I was just looking at different images, the artist in me couldn't resist that sometimes, like when they're, when people were making, um, like, uh, making these graphs of like how the respiratory cycle works, they would use this image of a circle, this inhale and an exhale. And I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like, it makes sense. It's something we move in and out of over and over again. It's kind of like we have to practice breathing. We have to practice a lot of things in life. Oh, you know what? We also have to practice peace. And I saw it as like this cycle. And I'm like, yeah, practice is kind of like a cycle. It's something that we have to go through and try over and over again. And the same is true with peace. Peace is something that we have to practice. So I just saw this theme here. And at first it was a kind of like an artistic theme that I was noting, just like a visual theme. But I noticed it was a a layer deeper than that as well. I was like, even if you just look at your own life, anything that you eventually figured out how to do, you had to practice it first. You had to keep going back to it over and over and over again. So I just feel like in these times of uncertainty that we're all in, it matters that we 
practice good things. We practice things that will apply no matter what scenario we're in. And peace is one of those things that I think we can practice not only for our own individual lives, but also for our communities and those that are around us. That's so good. And before we wrap this up, I just want to acknowledge, like, I feel like I just got out of therapy, by the way. (laughs) So we will have the link in the description for the book and everything. But there is, we've talked about your record so many times because I'm just a mega fan. I can literally quote them all. But there's one song on it that I want to talk about. And it's I Can't Save Myself, which you did with Matt Powell. Matt Powell, my bad. I can't say myself. I can't say myself coming to my rescue is what you do so well. And when my strength is failed, the story I'll tell is something that you can't leave me on my own. Uh, yeah. alone. I can't say myself like I butchered it a little bit. Okay. Hey, you all, but yeah. <laughs> overall is <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. Where, where, if you could remember, where did this song come from? What's the testimony? What's the story behind it? And is it still on like DSPs for people to listen to? Mm, Yes, yes. So that song, I Can't Save Myself, it came from a place of thinking about people in my own life who I know are, who are needing help. You know, I think it's, it's very, Sometimes it can be a little easy in, in our modern times because we do have so many tools. You know, when you think about even something as simple as like being able to call 911, like that didn't even exist a hundred years ago. You know, it's like we have a lot of tools in our society that we're just like, oh yeah, if I need help, if I need this, da, 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 I got it myself. Like I don't need anybody else. I can just go and, you know, do this and do that. But if you talk to someone who has been battling years of chronic illness or you talk to someone who has who has sought out help and hasn't been able to get it you know a lot of times there's a lot of shame that those people end up being put on them like oh can't you just you know try x y and z and feel better or can't you just do this and i really wanted to write something specifically for those people and also anyone who has ever felt like you know what I I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And to know that there is, and that the line of the song is, says how your love refused to leave me on my own. And that there is a love that refuses to leave you in that place. And God's love is there to help let you know that you're not alone. And that's an eternal love, a divine love that doesn't fade, a love that doesn't go away. So even when you're feeling like, yeah, I've, I'm at the bottom and you're feeling shame for being in that place and you're feeling like, oh, I should be able to get myself out of the situation, but I can't. And I just, oh, I need some help. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I just really, truly just wanted that to be known because we're, we're not islands unto ourselves. And, and I think also, too, another group of people that I was just really thinking about when that song was written I was thinking about a lot of different people in my life is people who are maybe in a mental health crisis. You know, I think that's another huge one where, you know, someone might literally say to people like, oh, it's all in your head. It's all in your mind. Like you should be able to just do this and do that and be fine. It's like, no, we should have absolutely no shame 
for needing help through that, even if even if it is something going on in your mind. Like <laughs> it's so funny how that that gets thrown around. Like it's just in your mind. It's like you do know the mind's like really complex and like it's a we big have, thing, and <laughs> and we still have just barely barely figured it out what's going on up there so and your car motor is just <laughs> on fire yeah exactly exactly no big deal yeah so it's like yeah these aren't small things and i just wanted to write something to let let people know that they're that they're not alone and it is absolutely okay to to cry out and and seek for help when you need it I can't save myself. I'm just kidding. I'm not getting into it. Yes, the reprise. And now you look. I, now all y'all know why I don't have a music career and why Morgan does. And Morgan, this has been great. Uh, just thank you for being here. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing about just everything you're doing. You're doing so much. It's not just a book coming out. It's not just art and poetry being released. It's not just music. Like. You're being very vulnerable and transparent with people and it's encouraging millions all over the world. So mm. thank you for taking time to speak with us and pour into the audience here. And I'm just excited to see what else God's going to do through you. And you better reprise this record. Or I'm yes. Yes. We've got I need some it. things. I need it. <laughs> we got some things in the works. Yeah. I'm, I'm still so proud of that project. Like it's a, Me too. It's a world to hear, hear you talk about it. I really am proud of it. So yeah. Well, if you are watching this right now, all Morgan's socials are going to be in the description below. Be sure to go check out Peace as a Practice, which is in stores everywhere. And the link is, of course, below. Thank you to New Release Today and the Whosoevers for powering this episode. And again, Morgan, thank you so much for being here. Yes, and thank you. Thank you. Morgan Harper Nichols. Dang, man. That was an incredible conversation. Um, just hearing, you know, the backstory, which made it even better. <laughs> it all started from uh, her telling me that her sister didn't graduate high school. And I was just admiring the fact that she was a successful recording artist. And then I got yelled at, um, and at the time she was like one of the biggest things in Christian music. So that was like, uh, that was a, definitely a fun experience. <laughs> Not many people get that to meet somebody before like anything big happens. Yeah. And then. There's still that same person, even after all the fame and acclaim and all of those things. Um, that just adds another layer, some more depth and some more appreciation to the whole uh, situation. I can't even think of the word. <laughs> and the big <laughs> the thing whole, was the, the whole thing, the whole thing there, the thing and that, you know, you know, the thing, man, the thing, that thing, that one thing <laughs> that, um, yeah. you know, with Morgan, it's a little bit different because when I heard her voice for the first time, I was like, there's no way that she's not going to be a world changer. She just had that personality. Um, her husband, Patrick, is an amazing dude as well. And the fact that she found her success in poetry and art is something that I think is beyond encouraging. For mm -hmm. her sister to blow up in music, then she put out a record as well, which I talked about so much in this episode because the Storyteller record is amazing. It should have... Four Grammy nominations overall, and I just think it's one of the best records ever created. I feel like they should come up with like a uh, like a Grammy or a Dove Award for you know like for best personality, best personality, or we could just create like the Trevor Talks Awards, and Trevor it Talks. could be <laughs> the Trevor's pick for best album of the decade, Storyteller by right. Morgan Harper Nichols, or best personality. I mean, she definitely has. I wouldn't get that. Uh, definitely not, bro. <laughs>
But honestly, wow, you can't wow, get wow. you can't give yourself the award. You're the one I'm, giving the award, know, so you possess all awards. So it's like an innate quality that you just want to say, "Hey, I recognize you. same awesome qualities that I have in you." <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding. laughs> what are the stipulations for this award? How do you get nominated? Well, you just remind me of myself. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I would never do that. That's uh, that's totally a joke. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, no, Morgan. She's she's got a a beautiful personality and I really really aligned with her message and resonated with her story so it's it's um it's incredible when you run across people like that they're few and far between yeah it's few and far between but also just the message of the book you've got to make that time for peace everybody deserves a little bit of peace and when you make it a practice and something that you're really hone in on this is something that me and you do like we have to make time for ourselves and it's hard to do, right? Like I know for myself, I'm not, I'm not very good at decompressing and de-stressing and just her message of the book, like peace is a practice, bro. Like, yeah. Well, go after it, you went to some kind of float tank and, uh, and floated, I guess. Yeah, uh, We may have talked about this in the Christian Stanford one, but, but just, just in case we didn't, it's literally maybe 10 to 11 inches of water with over a thousand pounds of medical grade Epsom salts in it has more salt in it than the um, Dead Sea. So when you get in, it's not like you can drown or anything in because it wouldn't even um, have your whole body underwater. You just float and there's no light. There's no sound. It's definitely not for claustrophobic people, but they do have them that aren't in these small little like pods. Yeah. (laughs) But I found a lot of clarity in there, and it's not like one of those religious experiences where you're just healed of everything, but there's something about hopping in and practicing that peace, right? Laying there, floating in water, it's like your body temperature, so it was like 95 degrees, and it's just you and your thoughts, and you obviously don't have your cell phone in there, you don't have anything to distract you, but... I think with paying that amount of money, let me ask you this though. So when you're in the tank and you're, you're just settling in, (laughs) I wasn't asking that, but (laughs) so you're floating in the tank, all of those voices, because you know, normally you're distracted by all the sounds and the movements and the cabinets closing, the doors opening, the cars going by the dogs playing around, whatever. There's something going on. There's always noise that distracts you from the inner noise. And so when you're, isolated from all of that outer noise, how loud is it really in your head? You know, the first 10 to 20 minutes I was in there, and you lose track of time, like 100% track of time, but you get, it takes like, for me, for example, it took like 10 to 20 minutes for me to get okay with being in there. Like, it, it was weird. Like, you do have those loud voices, but once you get used to it, you just find yourself in the still place. And it's like, instead of having a million things racing, it's like, oh, did I get this done for this client today? Did I onboard this thing properly or this or that? You know, like you have those things that go through your head. But I, I think that's part of the psychology that goes into it. Like right. you work through these things and you're able to slow down and you can even feel your heartbeat like start to slow down. And when you're in water, that's like your body temperature. It, it sounds weird, but you just have to experience it. It's almost like you don't have a body. It's just wow. your brain and you hear Weightlessness your heartbeat. And yeah. The vastness of consciousness. Yeah. And you have fun like today on sitting, NPR. <laughs> and you're floating so you're like, "Oh, like moving around kind of yeah. like a just you have that still peace." Wow. And it was a prayerful moment for me. It was meditative in prayer. Yeah. It was 
it's something that I highly recommend. Even if you're claustrophobic, like they have like rooms that are like pools with just like curtains and such that you can hop into and it's not as closed off, but it's an experience, you know, and making that practice to be at peace was, it was pretty healing for me. A lot of people are like, let's do meditation and, and, or just empty your mind and all of these things. For me, sitting still, that, that sounds hard, but what sounds easy is to float. You know, like it's kind of like a, an induced meditative state, you know, like the, the float thing, maybe that's the gateway for you to be able to invite yourself into that prayerful moment. Yeah. Maybe you do it like two or three times and you're done. Um, I read down, you listen for the Lord to speak and all of that. And I redownloaded the calm app the other day because I was like, I need to practice. So I'll like, I'll just lay there on the flat surface of the floor, like preferably very hard surface because chiropractors are even tell you that laying on a hard floor is very good for your spine is very good for your body. And I'm not a medical professional, so don't take me up on that, but I believe it. Uh, mattresses are maybe even bad for your body because you're not aligning your body properly. Right. So I downloaded the call map. I saw where, um, Jay Shetty had his, uh, calm thing on there and I, tuned into it. And for seven minutes, I was like, I'm not going to touch my phone. I'm not going to do anything, but just try to practice. But here's the thing. I feel like I'm getting to a place where like that meditative stuff is cool. Like invite yourself into a place of peace. Like that's fine. But once you just get into that place where it's just you and God, like you can have some Zen music or something playing like a boom gong to start it (laughs) off. But when you find yourself comfortable with being still, being at peace, being just with yourself and God and inviting him into those places. That's where I found my peace. All the little fundamentalist parts of me are like, that's demonic. No. That's demonic. That's and That's that why, little part of me. This is like jumping out. And it's funny that he's mentioning Jay Shetty. Of course, this, this he was is the first mo- one that showed up. It was marketed to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my former boss. <laughs> so, you would think that I'd have a lot more peace than I do. So it just shows you that it doesn't matter where you are. You could be the you could be the bishop in the church, the preacher behind the pulpit. You can. You what I tell you yesterday, influencer, and you can have the least amount of peace. My new favorite pastime is telling, uh, and this is a joke. Before people take it out of context, my new favorite pastime is explaining to aspiring entrepreneurs and young people getting into their careers that no amount of career success is going to fulfill them. Absolutely not, man. And. One of the things that I think was it has been hard for me to find that that zen or that that prayerful state, you know, it's the noise. You're so every time you go into prayer, it's, you're usually begging for something. You're usually like, "Oh God, please, or, please God, help God, me with this, Lord." If you'll just do this, and it's bargaining, and, and there's never that that fellowship. And and so, you know, I was inspired by your visit to the the cryo chamber or whatever yeah, it was called. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember. It's like a D de, uh, deprivation chamber yeah, or something uh, like some sort of uh, deprivation chamber. Well, anyways, it, it is a really cool journey. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, number one, your body's engaged in something. And I think that's one of the most incredible things for people with like ADD and stuff, because when we're trying to sit still, when we're just trying to, you know, be mindful of God and everything that he's doing for us, our minds are running a thousand miles an hour. And then not only that, our bodies want to fidget and we want to look at the, the, you know, something on the wall or just get distracted or oh, did somebody just text me, you know, like it's one of those things like where you just, you just lose focus really quick. And, and then everybody that's on the, uh, you know, on the apps, like 
gently bring your awareness back to your mindful state. And you're like, wow. okay. Oh uh, yeah. After I go on this rabbit trail <laughs> down the rabbit hole. And so getting back to that deprivation chamber and getting in that water that engages your body because you feel the sensation on your body. Obviously you don't have any sound. You don't have any sight because it's in the darkness, but you're, 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 you're kind of doing something. You're not, you're in motion. And then after you like listen to all the mental chatter, you know, you're supposed to, I've heard people tell me like when you're trying to find that peace, that Zen state that you're supposed to observe the thoughts like clouds moving through your mind, but don't, don't, don't try to grab at the cloud. It's whatever. One of the things that I found to be super helpful in my journey to finding peace and through panic disorder and just panic attacks in general is decluttering my, like starting with a cell phone. Like right. that's one of our, like for me and you speaking for us, we work on our phones all the time. That's our main source of income. Like for our wow, agency yeah. is we deal with social media a lot. So I, I feel like off- it kills your, your, your mind. It does. And I turned off notifications maybe two years ago. So client accounts, my since. accounts, I don't have any kind of notifications coming to my phone at all. But another thing was therapy. And I personally use something called BetterHelp, which like I travel a lot. I'm never in one spot. And with BetterHelp, I'm able to take my therapist with me in my pocket. And wow. that's been super healing for me. I know and you've been trying to get me to do it. I have been trying to get you to do it. And I'm not angry or anything. If, Maybe somebody's listening and they're like, dude, therapy is something that I want to do, but I just don't have the confidence to do it. I don't know where to start. Betterhelp.com, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash Trevor Talks, and we're partnered with them. I feel like if I talk to the BetterHelp counselor that they're going to need to go to like confessional (laughs) afterwards. They're going to be like, this guy is crazy. This guy needs help. That's the good thing about a therapist, though. They're contractually obligated to not talk about your issues with anyone unless you like. They may need some better help. They probably will need better help. (laughs) I'm just messing around, dude. I'm not that crazy. I'm only a little. It's exciting to partner with them to be able to provide this piece as a practice message. Well, you know, it's great. I've seen the results just in your life, how you come back much more peaceful. uh, You know, when I'm trying to blow you up with some business and and stuff, and you're like, hey, man, I'm. I'm on the phone with my therapist and and I'm like, cool, bro. Enjoy. And uh, then you come back and you got clarity. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that's incredible. You know, two things you've done recently, you know, your better help. And well, you've been doing better help for a while, but then your the the deprivation chair, the float tank. Yeah. The float Float tank. tank. Those things are inspiring. And then you went went and got a freaking massage. Like this has been like the Ritz this week. I mean, you've been bougie all the way. New gym membership. Oh, new gym, brand new Trevor 2.0. I, I would even say 2.5 right now. And it's not one of those like um, my New Year's resolution. Like, no, no it's not. you remember, like, I was just like, you know what, this week, because last week, like, be really honest, vulnerable. Like, it was a stressful week, man. Like, yeah. it was really stressful. And it was, oh, there was a lot of mental fog for me. So I was like, okay, I know what to do to help clear this up, but am I going to do it? Right, right. And it, the answer for me was, you just got to do it. Like, I think it was Sunday night. Uh, it was after the float tank. I came in. I was like, let's go get massages. You're like, no, I'm not doing it. And I'm like, I'm going. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just uh, uh, bounced in the car and went and did it. And you, you got to reward yourself. And it doesn't have to be in a luxurious way. That's uh, that's not what we're saying at all. Like, take hey, time for yourself. 
the the world cheats you all the time. Life sometimes leads you down a disillusioned path. And as the old adage from the streets goes, don't cheat yourself, treat yourself. And, you know, you've got to take care of yourself. And and, and that's in all seriousness. And I, I, I witness it firsthand. I have my own practices that I do to, to take care of myself, but I'm pretty sure I could use some better help. Yeah, That's for sure. And, you know, just getting back to Morgan and, and this conversation, which is inspired by her book and her story. Her message. Dude, her message, yeah, she is a full-blown adult. And last year, as an adult, was diagnosed with autism. And you wouldn't tell it. She's like super high functioning. She's very, she's a hundred percent high functioning, but, um, her response to it was very inspiring to me being as she didn't see it as negative. She was like, you know what? This has a lot of, uh, clarity to it. Like she's an amazing poet. She's an amazing creator, but there were some things like with learning and just things that quote unquote people with people without autism are able to do very well. And she wasn't able to grasp onto it. Right. So it provided a lot of clarity and there's a stigma around stuff like that. So for her to be able to come out and say, Hey, publicly I I'm autistic. That's very empowering. A lot of people would have kept that to themselves, and yeah. it, there's not anything negative about it, which is the weird thing. There's so much stigma around this stuff. Just be honest, be vulnerable with people, let people know that they're not alone in this journey. Just imagine how many autistic people, um, that are out there that were inspired. Like if Morgan can do this, I can do this. I'm yeah. not going to let my diagnosis become my identity. I'm mm. going to use that as clarity and go kill it in life. Can you imagine Morgan like going through life? Like, man, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I pick this up? But I'm so good at this, but yet I struggle with this. And then all of a sudden, yeah, she's like, she finds this out and she's like, aha, you know, that's and, it. <laughs> And, you know, I've never had that, like, mindset, like, autism's bad. I always think, oh, they're autistic. That means they're genius. Mm. That's why I always think of when I hear somebody's autistic or something, that their genius is something. Yeah. And I hate to stereotype, but, you know, it's just one I of mean, those. I it's true. It's yeah. very true. Either last year or the year before, I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism, which was a main cause of my panic attacks. Wow. Untreated hypothyroidism. And I get a phone call. I had my best friend Ray in the yeah. car with me. And I got a call and they're like, hey, your results came back. You have what's called hypothyroidism. And the way they delivered it was like concerning for me. Like, I hope they don't do it to other people. They're like, uh, hey, hypothyroidism, here's no context, but it's a lifelong disease, but it can be 100% treated with medication. So you'll be on medication for the rest of your life. And I'm like, mm. no context on what's going on. Like, eh, like, am I going to die? But no, like it was... You know I've got an anxiety disorder. Exactly. That's you give me why some more anxiety. Took, that's why we took blood work. But <laughs> it provided a lot of clarity for me because yeah. um, once I got on medication for hypothyroidism, a lot of the fatigue that I was experiencing left. I'm still always exhausted, so we haven't got to the bottom of that. But like, man, I, I'm I, telling you that melatonin. Don't do my melatonin. Look, the melatonin is is a gift from God. <laughs> too much of it can cause a, a real long. Thing or uh, struggle with. I'll apathy. talk to my therapist about it. Yeah, talk to your better help. Better help. Uh, uh, promo code. Uh, no promo code. Just um, Trevor. Betterhelp.com forward slash Trevor Talk. That's a promo code. Well, you know what? You put the forward slash and the Trevor Talks. You know what I'm saying? But this this conversation is healing for people. Yeah. I know this book is going to provide a lot of clarity. Morgan's message in general. If you go follow her on Instagram at Morgan Harper Nichols, right. which all the links are in the description. 
she's just a very giving person. Her platform actually started to blow up when she started to do free art for people. Yeah, she was like, hey, send me your story and maybe I'll make a poem out of it. You know what's really cool is the like one of her beginning stories is the art at the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. That, I thought that was Coffee cool. Camper Co. Coffee Camper my Co. My go-to yeah. place, my hometown. Um, it's an amazing place. One of my best, nearest and dearest friends in the world, Crystal Padilla, owns it and runs it. And it's it's just super awesome to think about like her art. I remember I would go in as I explained in the show and I'd see it and I'm like, man, Morgan's going to go places. Then one day I went in and it was gone and it was because she couldn't keep up with the demand. So now she's got this very lucrative business. So many people are engaged in what she's doing. When I worked at AT&T, girls would come in and like I told Morgan, it was, it wasn't like your basic white girl stereotype, but I mean, you see a green straw coming in when I'm transferring their data. Nine times out of ten, their background was a Morgan Harper Nichols quote. So <laughs> it was just one of those things yeah. where I would see it and I'd be like, dang, like she's doing it. And yeah. it was inspiring for me to get out of my shell and try to do something for myself. One like, of the things God. I'm noticing a pattern with Trevor, for all y'all listening out there, that like he meets like a ton of people. And it seems like everybody he knows goes on to do something incredible. So, like, I guess the key here is to meet Trevor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, meet Jesus. Meet Jesus. Man, I need to know Trevor and Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it seems like you've had you have the a lot of these incredible stories, like with Stephen Stanley and all these other That's people. That's the homie. That's the homie. Wow. Like so, like just watching this whole thing, um, just as your friend, as your brother, as your business partner. Uh, I think I'm more in it for the show like the like the story i'm like okay what's gonna happen next Dude, trevor one stay of the, tuned the funny things is uh the intro and outro music that we've been using for trevor talks going on uh we're Two going years. on our second year right yeah. um steven actually created the intro and outro music and the first few episodes he edited wow i recorded it with his sm7b in his studio in his house and this was before everything really popped off. Yeah. There's so, a, they made a favorite TikTok video of mine. It's, it's a, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. If Check you go, out Steven Stanley. No, I'm just dude, kidding. Uh, that's the best TikTok ever. Yeah, I, I don't see it, why it like, not that we deserve to go viral for that, but it was me meowing and Steven doing like a fun piano, like <laughs> a saloon tune is what I, I think I've listened it. to that like 200 times, dude. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite. Like that should be my ringtone. Yeah. I love it. Man, this has been really cool. And once again, this is only number two for the After Hours show. And I just feel privileged to be here. And I thank you for inviting me into to, to your Trevor Talks living room. I just am really grateful that I have an opportunity to be a part of something that you're doing that's amazing. It's really cool that we get to offer this for the day one people because, you know, we, we did the show for maybe 50-something episodes before we actually started doing video. Right. So the people that have been following the show, like on audio platforms, know about the after show. And we talk about it very minimal in the video episodes. So just know if you're hearing this, like this is years in the making. Me and Brian have been wanting to do something together for a while. So the fact that we get to have these conversations and share them with you and try to encourage you like this whole show its purpose is to be an asset to you in your journey and if you have any questions make sure you go over to uh, trevor's pages you can find them on instagram trevor talks you can find them on what getter getter pivot 
Facebook. Facebook. Um, yeah, we're playing around MySpace. with a lot of the new social media. Uh, I've never had a MySpace. Oh, that was okay. before my time. Facebook was my first social media platform. <laughs> That's how young I am. But you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and so pretty much all the popular platforms and uh send them a question if you have any questions that you want us to talk about topics anything guests yeah and, and if you haven't left a review on this podcast leave a review it helps bigly 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 is a great word and we got <laughs> i got a i did get an email about a review that we got this past week from kelly in new york awesome she's a nurse in new york she's a mom she left one of the most heartfelt, beautiful reviews. And it was, it, it was about the show, but it was about what God's doing through it. It's about what it's meant to her to hear these stories. And that was very encouraging for me. Like Mm -hmm. I got that, I think on Wednesday and I wasn't in a low spot, but I, I, it was, it's a community of people helping each other out. Yeah. Like we're a community of people and, Kelly, if you're listening to this right now, thank you for sharing what the show's done for you. Wow. And it was it was just so beautiful. She's a nurse, been a nurse throughout the pandemic, and it's it's been hard on her. So Kudos. the fact that we were able Seriously. to be a light for her, um, praise God. Like Amen. New York and, City. And, and sometimes when you're just trucking along, you're like, man, is this really doing anything? And then somebody comes along like Kelly and just throws that. That spark to the to the that turns into a fire, man. People get lost in the big guests and all that stuff. And for me, it's not like our interviews are consistent. I'm not. I mean, I talk about their accolades, but that's not what it's about. Yeah, it's It's getting to know the person. Yeah, let's get to know the people. Um, It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what you believe. Like God's got a plan for you, and a lot of us came from very different beginnings. And I think it's very empowering for us to hear how God has used each and every single one of us in our unique journeys to become the unique people that we are today. And when we hear that, we learn that, you know, God loves us. He loves the uniqueness of us. There's a real big move going on right now where people are starting to see uh, the profound emptiness of social media platforms and that fame is fleeting and, and vague and really starting to turn back to the community. And they're really starting to look for those pillars. And it sounds like Kelly is one of those pillars, you know, out there grinding hard, taking care of the family, you know, living by example. And so those, those stories of encouragement matter and they make an impact. Pieces of practice is available wherever books are sold. The link is in the description below. If you get a chance, like Brian said, go subscribe, leave us a review. It means the absolute world. It, it makes a difference because when you leave those reviews, not only does it get us more of an opportunity to be like presented to new people, but it helps grow the community. Absolutely. We don't get paid to do this. Right. We don't. It's it's all love. It's all passion. We're independent. We love Jesus, and um, this is this is a movement of some sort, and God's really. It's a labor of love. It's a labor of love, and God is using it to make me feel like I just got out of therapy. Every single time I record, I feel like I got out of therapy, and now doing these, like it's therapeutic as well. So Amazing. Well, I'm glad to be a part. Thanks, man. Love you guys. Talk to you next week.
Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.